Hi, everyone. Good seeing you all. Um, welcome, if you're new to our church. Uh, my name is Aiden. I'm the pastor of this church. And good seeing, um, again, all of you, but um, a special welcome to those of you who are new to our church, whether you are uh, visiting us as students or as young adults. Uh, we uh, just really gladly welcome you. Uh, maybe just as a way of intro of our church, um, then just talk a little bit about our church. Our church uh, serves uh, both college and grad students and uh, working young adults, you know, and singles and families. We try to serve you know, everyone uh, from any walks of life, and we tr strive to grow as a community um, with uh, the people who are you know, in different backgrounds. And uh, I really hope that you can get to know each other uh, through today's uh, worship, as well as the fellowship afterwards. I hear uh, good food is waiting for us. Uh, so hope you can have a great time. And also I wanna say welcome back to uh, those that are returning. I know I, few, I saw a few of you uh, last week, but I think I see more of you who are returning uh, to campus. Welcome back, uh, good to have you back here. Uh, so now we're gonna go into our time of sermon. Um, this fall, for our sermon times, we're resuming studying the book of Mark. And the last week we studied uh, the beginning of Mark 4. So we're kind of returning to Mark uh, from uh, last fall. Uh, so we're resuming this fall. And uh, we're going to continue on in the chapter today. So we'll be reading uh, Mark 4, 21 through 25. Uh, and uh, we'll pray and we'll go into the time of the message together. Turn, turn with me if you want to turn on your own, or you can also look at the screen. Uh, the, the scripture passage will be uh, there for you to follow along. So uh, let me read it for us, and uh, let's get started together. Mark 4, 21 through 25. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That is God's word. Uh, would you bow your heads with me? And let's pray together before we get any further. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you, thank you that you are using our church uh, to serve um, all these beautiful souls that you have gathered um, in this place for us to get to know you more and also grow uh, deeper with one another in fellowship. Uh, God, uh, we are humbled by your great love for us. Uh, may you shower uh, your love on us as we uh, listen to your word. Uh, may you use me as your humble vessel. Uh, may I speak your word alone so that it's not my words, uh, my ideas, but uh, yours alone may be preached 
and uh, be embraced in this place. So give us listening ears and give us, give us eager hearts to pursue after you and your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let me share with us the three points for this sermon for, um, to help you follow along. And those are shine the light, second, pursue the light, and third, enjoy the light. And the title of the sermon uh, is uh, The Parable of the Lamp. First, shine the light. Uh, verse 21, it says this. And he said to them, so Jesus said to them, to his uh, disciples, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? So in today's passage, Jesus again uh, speaking in parables like uh, you know, he did in, the, in last week's passage, if you were here. And we said at the time last week that um, parables are stories that employ, employ uh, real-life metaphors in order to teach important truth about God's kingdom. So in today's passage, the metaphor uh, is a lamp. And the, the point of the metaphor is very simple. So let's look what Jesus is trying to say through this metaphor. Here, Jesus is appealing to our common sense. And he's asking, you know, would you, you know, uh, bring in a lamp or, you know, for our context, maybe flashlights or your phone lights, and you go into a dark room to work there or find something there, you know, would you, after entering, um, you know, put the lamp under a basket, like a bucket? Would you put the lamp under a bed or would you put it on a lampstand? The obvious answer is that you would put it on the lampstand so that the lamp would light up the whole room as much as possible. Meaning light is meant to shine wherever it goes. And it would be nonsense and waste of light for us to put it under something, like again, bucket or whatever, and block the light from shining. It's ludicrous. So Jesus continues in verse 22. He says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Again, simply, you know, anything, the things like the lamp or light, uh, you know, would not and should not, you know, stay hidden, but they must, you know, become manifest and do its job to light up the space for us. That's his job. Now, in context, you know, um, if you read through the beginning of chapter 4 that we studied last week, uh, the lamp or light here represents the message or the word of God's kingdom. Again, in last week's passage, you know, we saw that the metaphor was that the word, again, word of God, uh, was the seed to be scattered. You know, farmer would uh, scatter the seed everywhere. Similarly, in today's passage, the word is the light to shine everywhere. It should be spread everywhere, in every corner of the world. And just to 
you know, uh, be on the same page here. The word, the, the message of God's kingdom means mainly about, you know, Jesus Christ saving uh, people into the kingdom uh, by dying on the cross for their sins and, you know, rising to life again. And when people receive this message, the promise is that, you know, by faith, they are going to be healed from their deep wounds in their souls. And in the present, they will experience joy of walking with God. Uh, no more barrier between God and us. And eventually, in the end, in the future, they will be, uh, they will be free from death and condemnation. That's the promise. So you see, this is a good news, and God wants this message, this word, to shine everywhere into this dark, hopeless world so that more people can experience that hope. So again, it just, just wouldn't make sense that this great thing, this light of the world, uh, should be hidden under a basket or under a bed. That's the point here. You know, this one time, um, you know, we had a church gathering in, in my house in Minnetonka, and we we're having a potluck dinner. And uh, so everybody had to bring you know, different dishes uh, to eat together. And my wife and I brought uh, two packs of you know, vegetable trays. I had bought them from Target. You know, I paid around $10 for each pack. And once the dinner started, I brought out you know, one of the trays. Um, and, then, and as the dinner and the, the evening progressed, I forgot about the other tray in the refrigerator. Um, and, and I left it in the, the fridge downstairs in the basement. But even after that night, I, I kept forgetting that you know, we had that veggie tray downstairs. So you know, one week passed. Now another week passed. And finally, about a month passed. And finally, my memory came back. I remember that there was veggie tray, fresh veggie tray from Target sitting in the fridge downstairs. So I checked. The salaries, which were supposed to be green, were brown by then. And the other vegetables were green, but not because they were fresh, but because it's covered in green and black mold. Not great. And I was sad because there went my $10. But more than that, you know, the, the, the veggie tray that I bought was never used for the purpose that I bought it for. The Bible says that God paid much more than that for his message to shine. The price, the Bible says, was the death of his very son, Jesus Christ. And he wanted this precious message uh, to spread everywhere. He wanted everyone to hear and receive this message. So he would not, again, hide it in a fridge downstairs. He would never do that. He would instead take it out and have everybody taste and see how good he is, how loving he is to everybody. He would want it to shine everywhere. That's the point of this parable. You see, that's why God has given us churches like ours and you know, preachers. That's why we preach God's word, God's message every Sunday. 
to shine it. And that's why, if you're a Christian, you are put in different callings and places in this world to shine it in your callings. And you see, that reflects the heart of God, the love of God for us all. He just cannot bear it to be hidden. It has to spread through his servants, through us. There's no way he would withhold it and keep it only for a few people. No way. So shine the light. Second, pursue the light. The next verses are rather logical conclusion uh, to the heart of God we just talked about. So look with me. Verse 23 to 24, it says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. So God shines the light of his word to us. And now it is our responsibility, you see, to listen carefully. And he says, pay attention to what you hear. And we, we, what that means is we ought to receive it into our hearts and you know, have it penetrate our hearts and change us. That's what it means. But now there are consequences to how we hear the word. So verse 25, it says, For to the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There are two groups here. Uh, they correspond to actually the two groups that we saw last week. So let's do a quick recap. Um, you know, one who has here is the one who has the ears to hear, like we saw in verse 23. The one who you know, responsibly pays, pays attention to the word and lives it out. So he bears much fruit in, in their lives. And these are the people, again from last week, who have the good soil, you know, who are insiders who approach Jesus you know, afterwards to understand the word better. But in fact, they get to know the person of Jesus better. And they allow Jesus to change their lives. They allow Jesus to reorder their lifestyles. And therefore, they, they, they change. They, they, they get healed. They, their character grows. They experience healing. And it says here, for these people, there will be more given, more understanding, more fruit given. That's a consequence of close and um, responsible paying attention to the word. But there's the other, the other group. It says the one who has not, uh, these are the people who you know, don't have the spiritual ears to hear and people who don't take the word to their hearts. You know, uh, according to the, the passage from last week, again, there are the outsiders who keep their distance between themselves and Jesus. They would not allow Jesus to change them. They need some distance. They just hear his words, but, you know, no change, no fruit. And therefore, again, back to our passage, because they have no lasting value in, in themselves because they do not let the word change them. When troubles happen, you know, they are blown away like a chaff. That's the other group. Again, what that means is the word may shine to everyone, 
but depending on how the hearers and listeners respond, there are drastic differences in their you know, fruit bearing and the, the, the consequence of our lives. Again, the hearers like us, you and I, are responsible to hear the word well and live it out. And at this point, one question might be, you know, if God is good, if he's loving, and he wants everyone to be saved and to bear fruit, that's why he shines it everywhere, and so he, 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 he does that, then why doesn't he just make sure that everybody, everybody hears the word and responds well and bear fruit? Isn't he a powerful God? Why, can't he, why, why wouldn't he do that? You know, why would he hold people responsible for the success and failure of their spiritual lives? I think that's a great question. And I think one way to answer the question is to see the matter in a different angle. So please follow with me. The thing is that by having people be responsible for their own spiritual lives, God is respecting the human dignity of us. Here's what it means. You know, if God were to somehow make people respond uh, to the word certain ways and bear fruit, he would be treating humans as robots, right? Or another example, like, okay, like, let's say, you know, we're trying to take vitamins, and we know that vitamins are good, good for our health. But imagine if our parents are forcing us to take vitamins. Even worse, you know, they even try to shove the vitamins down our throat. This is a good thing. Eat it, eat it, eat it. They'll be wrong. Why? Because as adults, um, you know, we should have our own volition and will and make our own choices and be responsible for the consequences of our choices. That's what it means to be human. If we are forced to do something, it violates our humanness. So you see, when God doesn't force us to respond to the word in certain ways, but holds us you know, responsible and accountable for it, he's in fact honoring our rights and dignity. But instead, here's what he did. He has given each one of us you know, natural abilities to respond to the word. Here's what I mean. For those of you who are students, you got into the U of M, the best university in the nation, right? Oh, McAllister. You got into McAllister, the best college in the nation, right? You got in. My goodness, you're smart. You have ability. And for those of us who are working, I know many of you in our church and you have jobs that require high-level skills, things that I cannot do. You guys are very skillful at that. The point is, we're more blessed than we often realize or recognize or give God credit for. God has given us everything we need to study and understand the word and potentially 
bear much fruit. Meaning we can be responsible for how we respond to the word. And God is therefore urging us to be responsible by paying careful attention to the word and living it out. So we pursue the light because we are responsible for the consequences. Third and last point, enjoy the light. Verse 24, it says, he said to them, again, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Uh, here, just trying to illustrate the principle of uh, reciprocity, meaning that when he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, He's basically saying that whatever you put in, you will take out. You get the result. You get the reward. Meaning, if you care, if you put this much care into you know, the word, when you understand the word, when you try to hear the word well, there will be reward in return. The more care for the word, the more spiritual fruits you will enjoy. But we should not uh, miss what Jesus says next. It's a short phrase there, but very important. So follow with me. It's a, he said, and still more will be added to you. Still more will be added to you. What that means is that our spiritual lives are quite different from physical workout. Because physical workout is truly you know, reciprocity, right? You know, you put X amount of hours in the gym and you gain Y amount of muscle, etc. And to be sure, you know, we said uh, like a few minutes ago that it is true for spiritual lives to some degrees. There's some reciprocity there. But spiritually, the reward that we, we get in return is not equal to our input but it's exponentially more. We put this much, but we'll get this much. The reason is, it's because when we respond to the word with the right heart, God the Holy Spirit empowers us and he carries us through, all the way through. Meaning it's ultimately God's grace that changes us. It's ultimately God's grace that grows us you know, not by our own strength. We cannot accomplish any of these spiritual fruits. It's God's grace that carries us and that accomplishes all these things for us. And that's how people grow. It's not just, you know, you input this much and you expect this much. No, 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 it's, it's different. I don't know how many of you have experience in sailing, but... Um, you know, let's say you have a sailboat. Can maybe go to the next slide, just to visualize this. <laughs> um, and let's say you're trying to sail across a big lake. And now, one option is you row, right? Uh, I have a son who's two years old. You know, I always sing, you know, row, row, row your boat. Anyways, I do that. But let's be honest. If you're to row your boat, across the lake, it's going to take a long time. And you get really tired, and 
you know, in reality, you won't get that far. But you realize this is a sailboat, right? And you realize you have a sail to use. So you roll out the sail on the mast and you know, turn it into the right direction. And, and the, the, the sail catches the wind and moves forward. And it, it goes fast, actually. If you see the videos, it's, it goes really fast when it catches the wind. The point is, spiritual life is not rowing. People think it that way, but it's not rowing. You don't just put in however much time into Bible reading and uh, serving or doing all these great things for the church or whatever, and you expect to receive this much output as a reward. If that's our framework, we won't get that far. In fact, I've seen many people getting tired of Christianity. But spiritual life is rather sailing. You know, you do put in some work to, you know, roll out the sail and, you know, get it all set up. Meaning, you do a lot some time in your, in your days uh, and hours in the Word, and you resolve yourself to study it well and, and, you know, live it out. You do that. But what really propels you forward is the wind of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, when you are exposed to the Word, you know, regularly, your heart and mind has become obedient to God's will. You're open, like a sail, to God's will. And when Holy Spirit meets you, He'll propel you. That's how growth happens. That's why um, the, the growth that we experience in Christian life is not human-like. It's supernatural. And the important part about that is you feel free. You don't feel like you have to work for it, but you feel f- you're just gliding. You're just being guided by the wind of the Holy Spirit. There's freedom there. For me, here, here's how, how it looks. Um, you know, I like to write out my prayers often uh, in my journal uh, so that I can be more coherent when I talk to God. And sometimes, you know, I like to read through my previous journal entries just to kind of see, you know, like my past and, you know, how, how things changed. And I did that just a few days ago. And when I was reading through uh, these journal entries from a few years ago, I was pleasantly surprised at, uh, not pleasantly, but I was surprised at how much emotional and spiritual turmoil and anguish that I was uh, feeling at that time a few years ago. But at the same time, now, pleasantly, I was very surprised at how I actually overcame you know, those struggles, and I'm in a much better place now. And I literally said, when I was reading this entries, I literally said, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was trolling that much at the time. And And how did I get better? It doesn't make sense. It was so hard at the time, but now I'm better. How did this happen? You see, in my life, maybe you can relate to it, I think it happens like this. There are a lot of things when you look back at your life. Humanly speaking, you shouldn't be getting better, but somehow there were deliverances and you know, God um, 
kept you through those struggles and difficulties, and you came out with a better character and better spiritual life and, and growth. And what that means is that it wasn't my work. Somehow I, I fixed these things and I improved certain things in my life. It was simply that I you know, chose to stay close to God's word and try to obey. And somehow, supernaturally, God kept bringing these deliverances. So I look back and see, oh my gosh, it must be God. It must be God. All praise to God. God sail me through. And I can finish well too by His grace. There's freedom there. There's gratitude there. And that's my hope and prayer for you, for our church, that we experience that together as we put the Word of God in the front and center of our DNA. We keep preaching the Word. We keep studying the Word. You know, this week we're starting, uh, resuming our uh, life groups. We'll be doing Bible studies. We wrestle the, the, with the Word together. And through that, we'll sail. The Holy Spirit will give us healing and uh, deliverances. And we'll grow. Let's pray together. Let's take some time uh, before uh, we close with a song and finish our service. Uh, let's try to process together uh, the word that we just heard. God loves us. And I think often it's a concept until you experience it, right? Anybody knows at least in, in theory, that God is love. But we are to experience it. And we see a glimpse of His love in the Word, that He wants to shine this everywhere. He wants you to hear it. Here, now, or elsewhere. And then God is giving us opportunities for us to um, respond as responsible human beings. Again, honoring the choices that we make, not forcing us. And the hope is that we will respond truly to His grace. And as we do that, we'll roll out the sail and the Holy Spirit will be caught in our sail. And we'll go on our journey. Our life is a journey. And we have a purpose on earth. And we remember all these things when we read the Word not only that, we get to know a person, Jesus Christ. 
So let's pray together. Uh, let's spend some time um, just meditating on these things. Now asking God, the, the very Spirit of God, uh, who's helping us even right now to help you uh, to sink uh, this Word of God uh, deep into your hearts uh, so that um, you know, He will truly uh, penetrate our hearts and change us little by little. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your unending love for us, uh, your shepherding love, your caring love, the love that will never let us go. Even when we go through the valley of shadow of death, you are with us. So we come to you, Lord. For some of us, we are meeting you at, at a, the valley of shadow of death. For some of us, we're, we might be on a mountaintop or anywhere in between. But Lord, we're here before you and uh, we, we need your spirit to um, heal our hearts and uh, find the beauty in your word and press hard after you. Help us, especially for those of us who are starting anew in their jobs or uh, in their positions or in their schools. Um, please keep um, your presence in them and um, help them to uh, continue to see you uh, in their callings so they will start their season well. And for the rest of us, uh, give us sustaining grace to continue uh, you know, go on by your grace, God. Again, thank you for your love that never uh, gives up on us. We rest in you.